thanks so much, Coach Greenberg. You're my 14th guest on the Wave Capitals guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I was one of your campers at the University of South Florida uh, for two summers when you coached at USF. And I know we have some other synergies as well, and I'll reference those in the podcast. But thanks so much for being here today with me. My pleasure to be here. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well. Coach, when you think of relationship building, what does relationship building mean to you in your own words? You can't be successful. Uh, life is about relationships. Life's about, I, I used to say the three pillars of any team that I ever coached was people, relationships, and trust. You surround yourself with good people. You take time to invest in real relationships, not just uh, to do that. You have to have real conversations and that you earn trust. Trust doesn't come with a title. Trust doesn't come with your past experiences. Trust comes because you work on those relationships every single day. And uh, to me, that's the most important thing. I and mean, whether it's in business, whether it's in coaching, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's in television, uh, those three pillars are forever. Get the right people on the bus, in the right seats, develop real relationships, and earn trust. And trust is really hard to earn. Uh, if you lose it, it's impossible to regain. So your word has to be your bond. But you know, how do you how do you gain you know, develop relationships? Is you really uh, get to know the person. Uh, you listen and hear. You have real conversations. You know, I was a communications major in college. It's uh, communication is a sender, receiver, and feedback. You can't have communication without those three elements, and you can't develop trust and relationships without those three elements. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was a broadcast journalism uh, major at UNC Chapel Hill, and I totally agree with you that communication is everything. And without communication, there could be a lot of breakdown in understanding what your role is in society or on a team or in a business. And talk to me about, you know, when you were growing up, what made you wanted to go into coaching, you know, being someone who got a degree in broadcast journalism, now you've been using it uh, really for the last nine years since your last coaching stop at Virginia Tech. But talk to me about, you know, growing up and the relationships that you gained, you know, in your early years of coaching. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. I was a player. I played in high school and I was going to a camp called the five-star basketball camp, which at the time was kind of like uh, before grassroots basketball, it was the foundation for not only coaches, but for players. And I was listening to UB Brown give a lecture uh, and, and, um, and he, and it moved me quite honestly. And I said, you know, I love the game of basketball, you know, I, you know, before that I wasn't, you know, can you make a living doing this? I mean, you know, but it was my passion and it moved me to the point where I said, you know, someday I'd like to do this. And uh, the five-star camp was run by a name, guy by the name of Howard Garfinkel and Will Klein. And basically they built bridges for the best players, uh, in high school to find, a destination in college, but for me, they also built bridges for people like John Calipari, myself, Rick Pitino, my brother, uh, Richie Adubato, Mike Fratello, uh, some of the best coaches in the history of both the NBA and, and college. Uh, the contacts and the relationships that, again, going back to relationships that you develop there, uh, basically Mr. Garfinkel built bridges for us to cross to pursue our, our love of the game. and. Uh, you know, I was in love with the game. My dad played for the legendary Claire B at LIU. Claire B was one of the greatest coaches in the history of our game. I still remember Coach B coming visiting our family 
uh, every couple of summers when he was at, at that stage of his career working for the pitchers uh, sports camps and he was recruiting campers. We weren't going to be campers, but during his journeys around the country recruiting campers, he would stop and stay at former players' homes. So I still remember Coach B, who's the most famous in the history of our game, a, a legendary coach and one of the founding fathers really of our game. And I still remember listening to Coach B sitting at the fireplace tell stories. And again, another example of the impact that he had, that he took the time to come and see my dad, the relationship they had still was real. So it, you know, I, I didn't get coaching for the money. Uh, I, I, I didn't get coaching for the fame. I didn't get coaching to get into television. I got into coaching because I wanted to do something to help someone get somewhere they couldn't get themselves. I wanted to impact someone else. Like I was impacted by my coaches. Like my dad was impacted by his coach. Like I've seen so many others impacted by people that invested in them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about, you know, your dad's uh, relationship in your life and coach B in, in your dad's life and then indirectly in your life and you got to spend so much time with him and just seeing how those relationships manifested uh you know talks me about when you were in your early coaching days and you know being an assistant eventually becoming a head coach what are some life lessons that you learned and were there specific people in your early coaching days that made a difference I think the most important thing is everyone needs a mentor. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer. Everyone needs a mentor. I don't care who you are. I don't care how successful you are. Everyone needs someone that's going to basically help them navigate their journey. And, uh, and your mentor, obviously, you have a spouse that helps you do that. But your mentor is someone that invests in you, that you can pick up the phone at any hour of the day and you can and bounce things off them. And they're as committed to you and your career and invested in your career and helping guide you through the roadblocks and the detours and everything else that goes along with, with life. And, you know, for me, it was coach Terry Holland when I went to Virginia for that year. Uh, and I tell people all the time, uh, that was the most amazing year. We went to the final four in Seattle, but more importantly, the relationship that we built, I never made a major decision, including asking Karen to marry me without running it by coach Holland. Uh, every job I took, every job I changed, there were staff members I hired, decisions in terms of my family. I mean, Coach Holland was at the forefront of those decision-making processes. Uh, so I think that everyone needs someone to stand beside them, not behind them, but stand beside them as they navigate their careers. Uh, and then the, the other thing is I think everyone needs a support group, and not just a mentor, but that's other people, peers, now, maybe not from maybe your own organization, but peers that are also navigating life in a similar manner that you are or navigating their journey through life uh, that have as at the same time are experiencing those roadblocks, those detours and all the things that are involved in 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 your journey, your professional career. And I was very fortunate. I had a group of guys when I was uh an assistant at Miami, we had a group of guys that we started, and some of the names you'll, you won't know, but Kevin O'Neill, who was a young head assistant coach at, at, at Arizona, and Irish Hyder, who eventually became the head coach at Clemson, who was Rick Carl's assistant uh, with Dallas Mavericks when they won a championship, and Rick Birdsong, God rest his soul, who, who has since passed, who was another Boot Olsen assistant. Well, we had about Scott Duncan, we had about seven or eight of us that every single 
spring, we would go, excuse me, fall, we would go and meet for two or three days and talk our profession and talk basketball and talk recruiting and talk uh, our careers and, 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 and where we are, where we wanted to be and where we were going. And uh, so I think the two things that everyone needs to have, I think everyone needs to have a mentor that they, that, that they can share their journey with, that can help them guide through the roadblocks and the detours. And everyone needs to have uh, a support system that's living it in the moment with them in a similar way, maybe not in their, uh, in their bubble, but outside of their bubble, also basically traveling through this journey in a similar time. I think those two things are really, really important. Yes, and I think that it's really cool that you can, you know, touch upon the coaching tree. Every basketball coach has a coaching tree, you know, coaches that they, you know, coached for, you know, if you're an assistant or coaches as a head coach who were under you who got their head coaching jobs elsewhere, but you were able to be a mentor for them to get their next uh, coaching job. And I think that it's so interesting how six degrees of separation or less, which is a great part of relationship building that six degrees of separation or less. And you're tied to like so many different coaches or players who, want, who go on to play in the NBA or maybe become coaches in the professional or the collegiate ranks. When I think back to you being, you know, two-time ACC coach of the year, I mean, that was the honor about, you know, you guiding your teams, but um, it was a culmination of just all of the support and all of the team oriented uh, fashion that had to be implemented to get you into those uh, talks of those type of awards. And I know that coaches at your level, you think very selflessly, it's not about you, it's, a, it's about the team. But talk to me about a couple of those accolades, what it meant to you beyond just Coach Greenberg. Well, I had good players. I mean, you know, I mean, good players to bought in. It, you know, any, any, first of all, I mean, you know, at, you know those awards were uh, a culmination of guys that really, really committed, that bought into our vision, that shared our vision with us, uh, that, that basically, uh, you know, basically surrendered to the good of the group because you don't win individually in basketball. And the best teams are obviously you know, teams that everyone embraces a role. I, I'm, I'm a big believer. You got to have two things. You got to understand who you are and how you win. You got to understand that individually. You got to understand that collectively. If you don't understand who you are and how you win, uh, you're basically going from point A to point B without a roadmap. And uh, you know, I was fortunate. I had, I had really good players that loved the game, that got lost in the game, that got lost in each other, that got lost in competing, that got lost in winning, that believed in us, trusted us, and uh, and and competed for us. Because I mean, the hardest playing, toughest team finds a way to win. And to do that, your players have to play for you. Uh, so, you know, whether it was Jermon Gordon, who was the defensive player of the year in the ACC, or Malcolm Bellamy, who played for the Hawks and is one of the most successful players in the history of Europe, whether it was Xavier Dowdell, who uh, was from Pahokee, Florida, who was my first recruit at, at Virginia Tech, whether it was Lucius Harris or Brian Russell, who played for the Jazz and the Nets and, and Lakers and Denver and uh, Philadelphia. Uh, those guys have to buy into you. So, I mean, the awards are, I mean, they're nice. Uh, you know, I'm not giving the trophies back behind me, but, but I mean, they're a reflection of really good assistance, uh, a really good buy-in to the good of the group, uh, a really good buy-in to, to showing people what you do well, not what you don't do well. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, you, you talk to coaches and too many times people, you know, 
you know, they're worried about the person sitting next to them instead of worrying about themselves. Be the best version of yourself. And, you know, when I send my guys out to, to work out for NBA teams, and I say, show people what you can do. Like, you know, if you're not a great shooter, don't sell yourself as a great shooter because they're going to find a great shooter. You know, what, you know, so if you're an elite defender, if you're an elite rebounder, if you're a ball mover, I use Dorian Finney-Smith as an example. You know, he's going to have a very long career in the NBA. You know why? Because he defends, he moves the ball, he's a great teammate, he rebounds the ball, and that's what he works on. He just happens to play, you know, next to Luka Doncic. So that, that's what the team needs. They don't need another guy that's going to be a volume shooter. You know, Brian Russell, when he played at the Utah Jazz, uh, he was playing with Carl Malone. Need to make an open shot. He needed to be able to guard the other team's best, you know, wing wing player. Uh, he needed to be fiercely competitive and be able to space the floor a little bit. That's what he did. So, uh, you know, I think it's really really important that whatever success I had individually, it was a byproduct of guys buying in, getting lost in winning, not playing to play, but playing to win, getting lost in each other and sharing, having that shared experience. Uh, getting lost in the process uh, because, you know, those teams won, but, you know, you, sometimes you got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. Yes. And absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, it's so refreshing and for any coach, especially someone of your caliber who can speak so highly of his, his or her players, you know, if you're talking to women coaches as well to speak of her players, because your players really, when they buy into, you know, what you are, uh, professing is the way to win a basketball game or be competitive at the highest of levels in a season to compete for championships. If everybody's on the same page and everybody is working in unison, you really feel good that, you know, everybody is bought into what you believe are the methods to follow, to be successful. And I think about, you know, some of the highlights, you know, and I remember watching on TV and, having gone to school with your daughter Paige at Tampa Preparatory School, I thought it was such an iconic family moment for you when, when you were coaching at Virginia Tech and you beat Duke. And, you know, Virginia Tech was seen as an underdog. I remember you embracing your family, including Paige. And I just thought how special a moment that was for you because it was not just so much about beating Duke or even when you beat Carolina. But I think, you know, when people think of, you know, Virginia Tech, great basketball school, also a great football school, but it must have felt refreshing for you. Maybe talk about some of those memories of what it was like to compete at the highest of levels and to even beat the best teams in the country. Well, I mean, you, everything you do in coaching, you try to right, put together a plan. Uh, again, I, I don't know how it would equate to business to beat the best teams in your league. So and the great thing, one of the things about coaching is you try to put together a plan and have a vision of, of, you know, basically the essence of who you are when you're at your very best. And, uh, you know, so, you know, when you play in the ACC, it's, you know, you know Duke and North Carolina, the standard, you know, if you, if you go and when I was at Long Beach state, we beat Kansas, you know, Kansas is the standard of the big 12. I mean, just the way it is, uh, you know, you know, to me, it's, yeah, those wins are special because, you know, let's face it, uh, you know, you know, you have four wins against number one teams in the country. What basically it's saying is that on that, given moment that you got your team to believe and trust and work and and buy into what they needed to do to to win the game i call it the art of the upset uh but yeah those are special moments but that's not why you coach those are sharing those moments with your family is really special because 
your family in our profession makes so many sacrifices for you, you know, because, you know, when you're coaching, especially at a high level, you're a little bit of a public figure. You don't have, uh, you have a limited amount of, of family time per se. Uh, you know, you have to make a lot of sacrifices uh, for, to help, but honestly, other people's children. Uh, and, you know, knowing those sacrifices, knowing you can have that shared experience with, with your family in that moment and share that moment. Obviously, that's really, really important. But, you know, the big wins are real, are real simple. It's, uh, you know, you get guys to buy in and, ha and believe. I mean, it, you know, like uh, when we went into the ACC, no one thought Virginia Tech could win. I mean, we were the worst program in the Big East when I took over the job. Our first year, we went to the Big East tournament. We beat John Beeline uh, and West Virginia. We beat Georgetown twice. We beat Rutgers uh, a couple of times. I mean, we had some success, but going to the ACC, we were pick last. And, you know, you had to, you know, our, our mindset going into the ACC was we're not an opponent. We're here to compete and win games just like everyone else. And then to go out and get your guys to buy in and work hard and respect the process and develop an identity. See, culture takes time. Identity is immediate. We, we developed our identity right from the beginning. The identity to be hard playing, tough, physical, competitive. And then the culture part of it is getting guys to buy in and be that, that team every single day. You know, the day you lose, the day you're not that team, the day you is the day you lose your culture. So it's a continual process. And a culture is not a signing or saying, it's a feeling. And to get your team to have that feeling takes time. And it, it, it and it's got to be repeatable. It's not just only like your, your culture is only as good as your culture when you're not there. Your culture is only good as the meeting after the meeting. But your identity, you can pose your identity in terms of how you want to play and who you are and how you win, hopefully immediately. So, I mean, those wins were great. They were great, great feeling and a sense of accomplishment, understanding that we put together a plan and, and those guys, because, you know, I haven't scored a basket. I haven't gotten stopped. I haven't gotten a rebound. They went out, believed in it and executed it. And then they were rewarded. Because uh, seeing the joy in their faces is, 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 is as much the reward as the, you know, the, the, beating a number one team in the country. You know, you're seeing their joy is why you do it. Because you, you, you coach to impact someone else. You coach to help someone get somewhere they can't get themselves. You coach so that you're hopefully helping someone become a great father, a, a great husband, a great member of society, uh, change the cycle uh, as it would be. Uh, you know, I coached more first time, first family member graduates. That I'm as proud of that as, as anything I've yeah, and the impact that you're making on each player's life, you know, and they all come from all different walks of life and, you know, in the college basketball landscape today and even going back 10, 20 years and even in the earlier parts of the, of the game, I mean, diversity every decade just expanded and, you know, everybody was coming in from different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and, you know, different school systems or different states and, you know, it's great that when you look at each individual team every season, it's, it's unique. And, you know, the narratives or the anecdotes that, you know, come along with it, you know, stories that you remember or big games that you won. I mean, it's a combination of just a, a season and some seasons are more successful than others. And I think that, you know, if you look at somebody's career like yours, you can look back and there's so many bright shining moments of, 
families you've impacted or people who believed in you, people who felt that you could be a mentor to him and be able to get to the next level of, of their life, whether sports was in their future or not. And I think, you know, my parents are graduates of Fairleigh Dickinson University. You're a graduate of that university. Talk to me about the relationship with you and your college basketball coach and maybe some of the things that you learned from him. I worked, I played for a guy named Alabama who was Knight's assistant at Army. He was Hubie Brown's high school coach, who's one of the architects of ball U man defense. Uh, and that's why I picked Fairly Dickinson. I didn't pick it for the communications department. I picked it, of course, who I was going to play for because I knew I wanted a coach at that point and I wanted to you know, play for someone that could give me a foundation. Uh, he was a tough old bastard, uh, to be honest with you. He was a tough, hard nosed coach that was really, really demanding. But he, uh, and what he taught me, and I, I tell this story all the time, I said, uh, you know, when I, my senior high of college, uh, he brought me into the office and he said, look, you little SOB, he said, I'm telling you, you, know, you think the old man's crazy, but when you have your own team, uh, you're going to be doing a lot of the same things we do every single day. And you're going to realize the old man's not that crazy. And sure enough, uh, you know, fast forward, I'm, I'm a head coach now. And uh, I think I was at, I think it was, at, it was at South Florida. I was at, at Virginia Tech and I get a phone call and it's Coach Lababo. And, and we just had played really well. It was a TV game and, and, you know, still talking to me like I'm one of his former players. You know, he just said, I told you, you little bastard, <laughs> you know, everything we talked about and everything you did. And I'm so happy for you. And that, you know, you, you know, you knew what you wanted to do. You knew that you were committed to doing it. And you worked at it. I love the way your team played. And, you know, that, that was a good, that was a good feeling, but you know, those, those are the reasons why you do what you do. I mean, like yesterday, I get a call from Reggie Cohen. He's on vacation with his family. He's walking the beach. And Reggie Cohen played for me in South Florida, uh, just checking in. Uh, I got a call from Jamon Gordon sitting there in the hospital with his grandma, who was, uh, who was just an amazing, amazing woman who uh, I got really close to during the course of, Jamon's career, uh, and she basically turned Jamon went to visit her. She said, I want to talk to coach. And all of a sudden I'm FaceTiming with Grandma Proctor, you know, from the hospital. I mean, those are the things that now mean more to me than even beating the number one team in the country. That, you know, you have Altron Jackson played for South Florida. He's a assistant to the head coach. He's he texted me yesterday from Hawaii. He just landed in Hawaii because they're playing, I think, in the Diamond Head Classic. So that's I get more out of that than anything else now because that tells me that we were doing the right things and that those guys are better husbands, better fathers, better people. Uh, and that, and I used to always say four for four, you come to school for four years, but you hope the relationship is the rest of your life. And th those, those are the relationships that to me, I value. Well, it's, it's great because the fact that you take the time to stay in touch with your players. And I know that a lot of coaches do that but for you to reference like phone calls that you're getting from your former players and you know it really speaks to the credibility and the reputation that you built with all of your programs and the fact that it goes back to relationship building in a team environment you know team environments don't just exist in a particular season on a particular team but your team for life with all of these players and all the coaches that you've coached and alongside with and it's just wonderful to hear. And I think about your USF days and 
although I wasn't a former player of yours, I was a former camp uh, camper of yours. And I have the picture here of to prove it. Exactly to prove it. And I was your two time Mike and award champion back to back summers. And it was really memorable that I still have these certificates and, and I have the other picture from the other summer too. And, you know, it was before I went to school with your daughter, Paige. I know you have three daughters, Paige, Jacqueline, and Ella, and you're married to Karen. And talk to me about, you know, your family. You touched upon a little bit. What was it like growing up in the Greenberg household? You know, you head of the household, you know, you're a coach, but no, 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 she's the head of the household. Was the head of the household. Yeah, she was the head of the household too. Yeah, she, she ran the show. It still does run the show. Uh, no, I mean, it was, you know, like coaches' kids grow up differently. I mean, you know, I mean, Paige was born in California. We moved to Tampa and then lived in Blacksburg. I got let go, which is never a fun thing to do and have your family experience, especially from her alma mater. She's a Virginia Tech grad. And Ella had to actually be a senior and finish her senior year at Tech the year, the year I wasn't coaching there. And Jackie had to change her recruitment for volleyball and, uh, and, and things and uh, actually didn't go to the only uh, one of our daughters that didn't go to tech, she went to Villanova and Syracuse Law School, but uh, it's hard. It's hard being a coach's kid. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, your, your family is, you know, we have a very close-knit family and, you know, your kids and your, and, and your wife are like Doberman pitchers. They protect your, you know, the head coach uh, in a lot of ways, but uh, got a great family. I mean, they, they've been through a lot, but they've endured it and they've uh, persevered and they've got a taste of the reality. You know, I mean, they've been in the stands when we won, they've been in the stands when we lost. And let me tell you something, things they hear when you lose is a lot different than things you hear when you win. And, you know, I went from, you know, moving Virginia Tech into the ACC um, and, and being coach of the year twice and going to the NCAA tournament, winning games to, in our last year, we won 17 games, I think, and uh, started four freshmen. And, you know, you know, having AD just pulled a rug from underneath you when you would have had Montress Harrell and Dorian Finney-Smith and Eric Green, three, and Jarrell Eddy, four NBA players on your team next year. So, you know, they had to experience that. And that, that has an impact on their lives. There's no doubt about it. Some good, some bad. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I've got a very, very supportive everyone. You know, you need a supportive home life. I and mean, it's just the way it is. And uh you know they've stuck you know not stuck with me but they they've lived this life in a different life i mean you know the prison that they see coaches the prison they see winning and losing the prison they see relationships is impacted by their experiences uh and so like we early on tried to explain to them the difference between friends and boosters boosters are where they win and tie friends are with you till you die i mean it's just the way it is uh and, uh, you know, I don't know if that's similar in the other profession, but it surely makes them a little bit more guarded in terms of letting their guard down. But, uh, you know, they're strong, successful women, and, uh, and I'm proud of it. Well, it's really wonderful that, you know, and as you should be, you know, doting on your children and because they've accomplished so much. And, yes, your wife has been with you every step of the way in raising three accomplished good people. Uh, it's a legacy that you get to leave, you know, as a part of the Greenberg family and, and the families that they're starting, you know, on their journeys respectively as well. And did you ever think that 
you know, after the 2012 season that you get to work at ESPN. I, I was fortunate to work at ESPN as the ABC College Football Live studio production assistant for the 2011 college football season. I worked with people like Reese Davis, who uh, you've worked with on College Game Day. I mean, talk to me about the last nine years at ESPN, the family that you've been a part of, being a part of the ESPN alumni community as well. And, you know, just the relationships that you have formed with whether Jay Williams or Jay Billis, Reese Davis, even Hubert Davis before he became an assistant coach at uh, for Roy Williams, and now he's a head coach at Carolina, my alma mater. I was fortunate to get to know and, and work with some of the people you work with today. So just talk to me about that experience. Did you ever think that it would uh, evolve into what it is today? I don't know. I mean, I thought maybe not. On, I, you know, obviously, I'm working at ESPN. It's, obviously, it wasn't on my terms. I mean, I thought I'd be coaching a couple more years. But yeah, I say this all the time, and you, obviously, you experience it some. The greatest thing about ESPN is everyone is pulling in the same direction. You talk about it's the ultimate team. Uh, like, you know, our jobs are really easy. Talent's jobs are really easy. And I don't like to use the word talent. I mean, it's kind of silly. I, I, I'm not a journalist. I'm a basketball coach talking ball on TV. But uh, the producers, the directors, the research people, everyone that around the show, all they want you to do is have a good show. You know, they want to help you be the best, you know, basically have a great show. And to me, that's the most amazing thing in the world. Uh, you know, even in athletics and athletic administration, you know, it gets to the point where there's jealousies. There's never a jealousy when working with, on your show for ESPN. Your researchers want to give you the best, best information and best context. And, you know, your host wants to set you up and make sure that he's asking the right or her is asking the right question. And, you know, people that you're working with, they want to be listening and looking at you and hearing you so that you can, you know, you can have that conversation, that, that, that memorable conversation. So, uh, look, I, I say it's the greatest team I've ever been a part of. Uh, and Reese Davis is the most talented guy that I've ever uh, worked with. I and mean, he makes the very difficult look very simple. I mean, Jay Williams has become a, a dear friend. You know, Alfonso Ellis is a dear friend. Jay Billis is a dear friend. I mean, you know, I joke, Jay, Jay says his opinion like it's a fact. Uh, but I mean, I work with really good people and uh, you know, we, we all look at the game differently and it's kind of a slice of, of the real world because you know, people, people look at the world differently. People look at situations differently. We can degree, we can disagree without being disagreeable. We can disagree and be respectful. We can agree to disagree. And I will say the world would learn a lot from our locker rooms. Well, you know, I think our, our set is a little bit kind of a version of our locker room because you take a locker room or you take a set, whether it's, you know, Jay Will or Fonz or, or, or Reese or, or Jay or anyone else I work with, we all have been raised differently. Um, we all come from different environments, but yet we all, and we all, we can disagree on a lot of things, but we can do it respectfully and we can do it in a matter which, uh, you know, that, that we can coexist and be friends and, and you know just no different than a locker room you, you get a locker room you can get 15 guys they come from all different backgrounds races religions priorities are different uh but yet you can get them to work together i used to always joke not joke the old new york nick team you know you have bill bradley and you had earl monroe you had dave the busher and you had you know walt frazier uh yet they made beautiful music together on the court and they had a great respect for each other so I think we all learn from our environments, but I, I, you know, 
ESPN, I, I don't take for granted one day the opportunity they've given me. Uh, it, it mean, you know, I mean, obviously the confidence they had in me, the support they've given me, um, and the platform I have, you know, and I have no agenda. When I, when I talk on TV, I have zero agenda. Uh, my only agenda is to, the game tells a story. Things that happen tell a story. And I use my third three years of coaching uh, to give my opinion on that. Uh, the thing I, I, I hate most is listening to quote unquote now we have insiders and gurus and, and, and they have no understanding of context of really what, what happens and they're more concerned with a click or have an agenda. Like I couldn't, you know, I have some of my closest friends, I've got to say on TV, their team played poorly and why they played poorly. And they agree with me. I'll, I'll get calls after like when John Calipari's team struggling. I might say, you know, the way they're playing right now, they're not sharing the basketball, they're not competing defensively. Like continue this, they're not going to win. And, you know, John will pick up the phone and call me and say, you're, you're spot on. I had to do that. I said that on a Tuesday and Saturday, we're doing game day at Lexington. John, and I know those guys because I speak at, at John's, uh, work at John's fantasy camp. And sure enough, he calls me in the locker room. He wants me to speak to the team about what I said. I just told him the truth. So you guys are really good, but not the way you are right now. So I don't take for granted the platform I have. I, I think it's a responsibility. And the responsibility is to be honest with no agenda. And that's what I try to do. Well, I think it's a great course of action because it just speaks to the, you know, Yes, you're being subjective, but you're also really speaking from the heart and you're giving, you know, opinions based upon so many years of coaching and you know that it's genuine heartfelt because you're being a voice, another voice uh, for every team that you cover, but you're doing it from um, a lens of, you, you know, you're a third party, if you will. I mean, when you're representing ESPN, ESPN is not tied to one college basketball coach or, or player or team. I mean, the network is you're disseminating information and you're just speaking facts and you're speaking the news of what is happening with the team. And you're being a voice of how could they improve and how could they get better and the good things that they did on the basketball court and the things that they have to work on. When you have conversations with people like coach Calipari or other coaches or former players, do you ever stop and think maybe I'd like to coach again in the future or do you even just miss days of coaching or are you really content that you have been in the broadcasting you know, world for almost a decade now? Yeah. Dark side. Uh, look, I mean, you surely miss it. Cause I mean, the only person I impact is a gambler. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't impact anyone's real life. You know, I do try to do some things with our PAs and uh, you know, talk with them and some other people to try to mentor. I, I go around in preseason and I speak to a lot of teams. Coaches have me come in and speak to teams. So that gives me a little bit of that juice of talking to them about what they need to do, their journey, their roadblocks, the detours, what, you know, in terms of developing a, a sense of team, also a sense of, of, of decision-making. Like, you know, like you got to protect your brand every day. We talk about NIL, well, these players have brands, well, they need to protect it every day. All right. Talk about, respect and and putting this thing down it's right there and the great to show some respect is is to give them your full attention so I, I i i've been fortunate like this year i did about 10 different colleges where i spoke to their teams and did presentations on on just the journey and embracing the journey and, and what it takes to be successful and putting good days on top of each other and 
being fiercely competitive and, uh, you know, getting lost in each other, getting lost in the journey, appreciating and enjoying it, not having one foot in, one foot out. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been really, really fortunate, uh, you know, and I, you know, like I said, do I miss coaching? Sure, you miss coaching, but uh, and I've had opportunities to go back. They just haven't been the right opportunities, but I also have a great job and I work with great people, great people, and I have a great platform. So, I, you know, I, I do what I love in terms of talking ball. I study it no differently than I would normally study it for preparing for games. And I work at it 12 months a year. Uh, I'm in the gym. Uh, I coach some coaches in terms of mentoring some people, some younger coaches. So, uh, you know, if the really right job, a job presented itself a year ago, but it was during a pandemic, that would have been actually an interesting job for me to take that I had, but uh, with the pandemic, with everything that was going on, I didn't think it was, the, you know, again, the right time to put my family through it one more time in a pandemic, just uh, that would have been a very selfish decision. Well, I think that you were very mindful of the needs uh, of your family and of yourself. And, you know, if the right opportunity presented itself at the right time, I'm sure as in your coaching career, you got to be judicious and you have to make a quick decision. Sometimes decisions take a little bit longer, but it's not about the timing of decision. The time will present itself, but you have the, the latitude, you have the ability to make a decision what's best for you and your family and the time allotted of what you think is best. And I guess one of my final questions would be, is that when you think about the college basketball landscape, you know, looking into the future, you know, has relationship building, and I think you've alluded to with social media and just the way things are in the 24 hours, seven days a week news cycle, how much has relationship building evolved? If you were to go back into coaching or hypothetically speaking, do you think that it would be somewhat of a challenge knowing that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, nobody was really thinking about the iPhones or, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or things like that. That would probably be a job in itself, I would imagine, trying to get people your team well, coaching so much harder right now because you got the transfer portal all right you which is you know uh, it's real and people are recruiting players right off your team depending on the level uh look you're only going to keep eight guys happy so you know you better keep the right eight guys happy uh obviously social media and nil so the job is is definitely different but if you invest in relationships if you if you have real relationships even if they don't work like I, ty garland played for me at virginia tech all right, he ended up transferring to LaSalle, all right? He just sent me a video a couple of days ago of his sixth grade team running my old two-guard two offense. Uh, I've got the same relationship with him, whether he stayed or not, that I would, would have had if he stayed or, or if he left. Raheem Brown played for us in South Florida, transferred to FAU. I have the same relationship with him now that I did when we recruited him. So, you know, I mean, certain times, certain things happen and, guys move on but you know i don't think dealing with social media or dealing with nil i mean you adapt every successful person you, you got to have agility things change things don't stay the same so agility is a big part of being successful in life it's successful in business successful in coaching you've got to have agility and uh, agility is looking at the situation from all sides and, and adapting uh within your own core beliefs and non-negotiables because you got to have core beliefs and non-negotiables but uh you've got to you know adapt them 
but you can't be afraid to coach your team. You can't be afraid to have a standard. You can't be afraid to hold people accountable to what you think is important. But you also have to understand that there are other things involved now, and you've got to, you know, quite honestly, you've got to just adapt to those things. That's I don't think that quite honestly, I don't think that would be very difficult at all for me. Thank you so much, Coach Greenberg. I really appreciate all of your time today and the words of wisdom, the insight that you shared on the basketball court and you know off the basketball court for life. It doesn't matter whether you're a coach, a business man or woman, you know, in a political position in government, uh, whatever the case may be, your words, similar to every other guest I've had on, I mean, life lessons that I'm really happy to put this podcast together. So people, viewership of this podcast can really learn from each individual. And I'm sure that they learned a lot from you today. I, I certainly did. And it's great that it feels like a, almost a 20 year reunion since I was a camper at USF. And you know, my best to your family, my best to you and your family this holiday season. And I hope we can talk again real soon. And my best as well to your colleagues, Reese Davis, who I work with and, and others from College Game Day. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Stay well. All right. That's the most important thing. Take care of your family and uh, have a great holiday season. Thank you so much. Same to you as well, Coach. Take care and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.